Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Welcome to another edition of Book Bistro. I'm Shannon, and with me today is number one internationally best-selling author, Jeffrey Deaver. He has written over 35 novels, the latest of which, The Never Game, will be released tomorrow. So welcome to Book Bistro, Mr. Deaver. I'm so excited to chat with you this morning. Oh, thank you, Shannon. Looking forward to it. So can we start out by giving our listeners a little bit of an introduction to the Never Game and the new hero that you've created for the series? Sure. Delighted to. Your, your uh, listeners may know me from um, uh, the Bone Collector series, the Lincoln Rhyme books. Um, and those are I, I love writing them. I'm writing one right now. And in fact, NBC is uh, uh, right now shooting a TV series based on the Bone Collector that will air later in the summer. Oh, wow. This fall. Yeah, very pleased about that. And, you know, they're, they're wonderful stories. I love writing them. But but they deal with forensics. Now, there's not a law enforcer in the world that doesn't rely on forensics. It's very important. Readers like it. I enjoy it. However, there's more to the world of crime and intrigue than um, fingerprints and, and blood and DNA. So I got the idea. I wanted to write I guess I call it an old-time hero, kind of like the old, um, the old gunslingers from the, the the westerns a long time ago. A stranger comes to town and gets involved in a local crime and solves it. He's kind of the strong, silent type, uh, uh, very heroic, uh, not flashy, uh, doesn't uh, pull out a lot of machine guns and throw hand grenades and things, but kind of figures out the crime um, uh, in his, in his mind. So I created Coulter Shaw, and I'll explain very briefly about Coulter Shaw. He's a man who travels around the country in his Winnebago, a a camper, you know, an RV, and he goes after rewards that have been offered by the police or by um, individuals for missing persons. And the police would offer rewards, say, for an escaped convict they can't find. Now, Coulter is not really interested in the, the reward itself. In fact, sometimes he doesn't even accept the money or he takes the money and gives it away to a good cause. What he likes is the fact that a, a reward represents a problem that no one else has been able to solve. And Shaw uh, is a restless man. That's how he describes himself. He can't sit still. He needs his mind to be actively engaged all the time. And a reward is like a red flag saying, here's a a problem. Here's a risk. So he goes after that. And in the Never Game, we find him in Silicon Valley tracking down a, a young woman who's gone missing, we think, because a young man has become obsessed with a video game and he's acting out the video game in real life. And and Coulter has only a short period of time to find her and some other victims as well. So I read this um, in preparation for the interview. And one of the things that really intrigued me was the fact that I have never heard of anyone who actually travels around and collects rewards that's not like a member of law enforcement or a private investigator. Is this something that you have like knowledge of people actually doing, or did you create this scenario just for the Never Game? Uh, I, I often 
joke that um, I have such a wonderful life. I get paid to make up things, and I don't work in Washington, D.C. <laughs> All right, my only comment about politics there. Um, but by that I mean, by that I mean, no, I made it up. I got it into my head. I should back up a little bit, Shannon. I always think every single day when I sit down to write, and I do write every day, what are my readers going to like? What can I give them that will be fun and exciting, and get them to turn pages and maybe smile or shiver with a little fear or excitement? And I thought, you know. What about a character who comes to your hometown, travels around the the uh, the country? It, it you know it might be uh, who knows what. It might be Sioux City. It might be Orlando, Florida. It might be uh, California, somewhere in California, and gets involved in a, a local crime. And I thought you know readers are going to enjoy that. But what gives him the excuse to be there? Why would he do that? And I just happened to hear on uh, may have been a TV show, one of these true crime shows about a reward that was offered uh, for a, um, uh, a convict, uh, somebody who'd escaped prison. And uh, I thought, oh, there's my idea right there. And so, no, uh, to my knowledge, no one does this professionally, but uh, it seemed like a good idea. And uh, I, uh, I think I'm going to run with it. Well, maybe you've started something. Maybe now people will <laughs> professionally go out and seek rewards. I should start a union, maybe. That sounds like a good idea. The there Professional Association of Reward Seekers. There we go. Yes. Well, that's a beautiful plan. So one of the other things that I loved about the way this book was written is that throughout the kind of unfolding of present events, we also get to learn a lot about Shaw's past. And I was especially pleased to see that you had kind of worked in a bit of a survivalist angle into this particular series. What kind of research did you do into the culture of survivalists in order to give this an authentic feel? Sure. And I'll explain a little bit about why Shaw has survivalist roots. Uh, his father was a brilliant professor in the San Francisco Bay Area, but he discovered something. I'm not going to say what that is. In fact, I don't even say what it is in the the Never Game. That's for future future books. But because of that discovery, he made enemies. And for uh, his own safety and the safety of his family, he moved everyone to Eastern California, a, a compound there. And he learned and he taught his children survival skills so that if it all goes to trouble, you'll be able to survive in the wilderness and in the um, uh, in the urban world as well. Um, Shaw has some interests in the survival skills because they come in very handy in his own job. Uh, for instance, uh, he may need to uh, climb down a, a hillside to rescue somebody. He knows how to repel. His father taught him that. He may have to scale a, uh, a wall of some sort. He knows how to do that because of the survival skills. Now, I will say um, in the book, it's all, everything I write is accurate. However, it is not from firsthand experience. My idea of survival is that, oh no, my glass of white wine that I'm enjoying out on the back porch is getting, uh, is getting warm. I should go in and get a fresh, uh, bottle of chilled wine. That's, that's my <laughs> idea of survivalism. Uh, but I did a, a great deal of research and, you know, I joke a little bit. Yes, I've been 
I have spent time hiking. I've spent time camping. I know a little bit of this sort of stuff, but um, I, I, you know, I, you couldn't drop me in Alaska, and uh, you know, I'd, I'd find my way out uh, on my own. Uh, not that level of it by any means. But everything I, I, I write about in the book is accurate. And I was amazed at how brilliant these uh, survivalists can be. Now, I should say uh, there are various types of survivalists. And there are, frankly, the wackos out there, the people who uh, don't believe in, uh, in in government, who have very odd, uh, you know, maybe alt-right thinking, um, could be a racist, misogynist. That That's not Coulter Shaw's background at all. This is simply um, he has learned the mechanics of staying alive, uh, which is not a bad idea. And there are, you know, some things that uh, we all could use to uh, to help us in uh, uh, get through life. It's true. Survival is definitely something we could all learn a bit more about. So let's move backwards a bit and talk about some of your previous works. Um, I came to your work through the Blue Nowhere, which I absolutely loved. And then I moved on to the Lincoln Rhymes series. Um, one of my co-hostesses, whose name is Amber, was wondering what inspired you to create a character who is a quadriplegic and what difficulties did you find in creating such a character and writing him in a way that felt authentic? My goal in writing, as I just uh, alluded to a minute ago, is to give readers what uh, they enjoy. Uh, there's, a, there's a joke in Hollywood that when a producer is looking for a, a new pro project, new movie, he or she wants something that has never been done before, that's completely original, and yet has been extremely successful in the past. And, of course, that's why we see sequels so, so yes. much. And it's, it's kind of a, a joke on Hollywood, but I think there's some truth to that. And so when I, I envision a book, I know what my readers like, and that's a typical Jeffrey Deaver book. It takes place over a short period of time. It um, has lots of internal reversals. It has a, um, um, you know, a, a surprise ending followed by another surprise ending followed by a third surprise ending, if I can pull that off. So that's my template for, for a book. But, but I need something new. So that's the old that's been successful. I need the new. And the new, when I was thinking about The Bone Collector, was this. Haven't we all seen those thriller movies where at the end – uh, you know, I'll, I'll pick on Tom Cruise or Bruce Willis. At the end of the movie, the, the, you know, the, the bad guy is beating up our hero. And is, we've got 10 minutes left to go in the film. And the bad guy is beating up the hero. And it's, um, oh, it looks terrible. But does anybody in the movie theater not know that in five minutes, Bruce Willis will leap up and find the gun he hit? Or Tom Cruise will suddenly have a recovered memory that he knows kickboxing that he's forgotten about all his life? No. Well, who doesn't love those films? But, you know, it gets a little tiresome. Those cliches just bothered me a little bit. So I thought, what about a hero who cannot, at the last minute, pull out a hidden gun or uh, cannot remember that he knows how to karate kick? What about a hero who had to outthink the villain? His only weapon was his mind. He couldn't shoot. He didn't know how to throw a knife, didn't know karate. He had to use his mind. And... Um, I thought, well, I'll create a disabled uh, character. Um, first, he was going to be a paraplegic, uh, sort of like the uh, Ironside character 
Raymond Burr played, uh, Paralyzed from the Waist Down. But I thought, no, I want to, I want to kind of embrace the, uh, the, the entirety of this mental idea that, that he was uh, a, a great intellectual power. So I made him a quadriplegic and, uh, you know, I was surprised that the book did as well as it did. It certainly was embraced by the disabled community, uh, but also embraced by many people who, uh, who said, you know what, we all are our minds. Uh, we're kind of like Lincoln in a way. I mean, I myself can't karate kick anybody. So uh, I, I guess we can all relate to that. Maybe you can, Shannon, but I, I know I can't. I, I certainly cannot uh, karate kick anyone, nor would I would I try. <laughs> that would be bad. So in terms of some of your other um, previous series, I really enjoyed your Catherine Dance books, especially um, XO, I think, was my favorite in that series. Will we be seeing more of Catherine in the future, or is she kind of on a hiatus for the time well, being? She is on hiatus now, and uh, you, you've touched on something that's that's um, important, and I think your your listeners who are writers, uh, this might be helpful. Uh, I write for my fans. They're gods to me. I, uh, As I said, I always think about what book will work for them, and I listen to what they like and what they they don't like, uh, you know, I'm not an artiste. I don't have an artistic vision. I'm a producer of a product. And, uh, you know, to be honest, uh, the Catherine Dance books uh, were not as popular as the Lincoln Rhyme books. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it kind of kills me because I wish I could write two books a year. I would create another Catherine Dance book and a, a Coulter Shaw book and a Lincoln Rhyme book at the same time. But I, I can't, I really can't do that. And while I have nothing wrong at all with authors working with co-authors or even assigning a book to another author, uh, we know James Patterson does that uh, very successfully. And some of my friends are co-writers with him. That's, it's wonderful. I just, I'm not built that way. I'm not wired to work with anyone else. So uh, the sad news is that we're going to have to wait a couple years for Catherine to come back. Although I have a book that's all outlined. I simply have to find the uh, energy and time to sit down and write it. And I think my fans will like it because it's a, you know, it's a good sick and twisted book. I, I do sick and twisted quite well. I think we can all agree. I would agree with that. <laughs> Thank you. And that makes so many of us very happy. So can you give us any hints at what you're currently working on? Are we going to be continuing with Coulter Shaw's story or are you going in a different direction in the next nope. little while? Sure. Um, even as we uh, we speak, uh, I know we're on Skype, of course, and uh, my computer's up. Uh, if I minimize the Skype, what would pop up but the next Coulter Shaw book, on oh. my word processing program, and I can't give away the title. We're all kind of under wraps here, but that will be out next year around this time. And uh, I can't give away a bit because if uh, any of your listeners, I know the book is just uh, will be releasing tomorrow, so they haven't. They haven't read it yet, but when you get to the end, you'll find that um, Coulter Shaw learns about a reward that's been offered in um, uh, up in um, Washington State, and it it looks like this young man has been accused of a horrific crime, and there's something about the and he's escaped, so the reward is offered. Uh, actually, there are two rewards offered. One is by the town. To bring this kid back, either well, they don't say dead or alive, but that's, that's the implication. And then that's a fifty thousand dollar reward. And then his parents have scraped together 
$900 for another reward because they believe their son is innocent. So Coulter Shaw um, says something intriguing about this. He goes after the $900 reward because the kid may be guilty, may be innocent. But he's uh, at the end of the book, he jumps in his Winnebago and heads off to track down what happened. And that's the book I'm working on right now. That is really exciting because I was intrigued by the idea of the $50,000 versus the $900. And it's like, okay, which the sort of, you know, mercenary part of my body was like, hey, $50,000. But then I kind of wondered, like, might he be interested in the $900? And it seemed like like he was. So we have to we have to like our hero. And I, I actually have to say I would. Uh, I'd probably enjoy getting a beer with Coulter Shaw. He seems like a, a fun guy. And uh, I know I've had uh, advanced readers, uh, some of whom are women, and they say, oh, does Coulter Shaw really exist? And do you have his phone number? <laughs> well, you know, people are always looking for, for an end, I imagine. Well, I want to thank you so very much for sitting down with me. This morning, I'm sure that getting this close to the release day of the Never Game, things are very chaotic for you. But I do appreciate you taking the time to chat with me a bit about your work and this series in particular. Um, can you let readers know how they can find you? Like if you have a social media presence or um, oh. like a blog that you encourage readers to um, take a look at? Sure. I don't do a blog, but I do have... Um uh, my website is jeffreydeaver.com, and I'm on Facebook and uh, Twitter at Jeffrey Deaver. And uh, Facebook, just type in Jeffrey Deaver, and you'll find far more about me than you will ever want to know. Beautiful. Well, again, thank you so much, and I did very much enjoy reading Never Game, so I will be looking forward to book two in this series. And I wish you luck with all of your future work. And thank you once again. Thank you, Shannon. A pleasure talking to you. So that was our interview with author Jeffrey Deaver. The Never Game is available by the time you're listening to this, wherever books and or audiobooks are sold. Definitely pick up a copy if you are so inclined. I want to thank Christine for the editing that she does, not only on this episode, but on every episode of Book Bistro that we produce. We appreciate the fantastic job that she does. I want to thank all of you for tuning in, again, not only to this episode, but to whichever episodes of the podcast you have listened to. We hope that you enjoy it as much as we enjoy making them. And also, because I didn't do it at the beginning of the program due to the interview, I just want to remind you that if you want to reach us for any reason, you can do that via Facebook, and you can find us there by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can like and or follow the page. You can also join our Facebook listener group. We would love to have you there. And if you prefer, you can send us an email. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com, and we would love to hear from you. (laughs) 
If you would like to let us know your thoughts, you can do that by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you use to access the show. And not only does it allow us to see your feedback, but it also helps other book lovers to find us, which is a great thing. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more bookish fabulousness. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more discussion of great books. Take care, everybody.